these words that I read for us a moment ago in Isaiah chapter 7. Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call His name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then in Isaiah 9 we read, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. May I say to you again those last words. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Everything that I will say and everything I'll read from these scriptures truly has been accomplished by the Lord Himself. And as I give the words of this message today, I do that knowing that you have heard all of these words so many, many times before. But a question for you. How often in all of those many times that we've heard these words of Scripture that I'm going to read to you, have we stopped the fleeting thoughts that race through our heads long enough to truly hear them? To really give these words the hearing that they deserve? I know that we say things to each other like, we need to remember the reason for the season. And we also complain about Christmas having become so secular and so commercialized. Some people even refusing to call it Christmas and they want to use the word holiday instead. But my question for you and for me is, what about us? While we can't really do much about what the world does or what other people do, we really can do something about our own personal response to this holy event that we call Christmas. And we should. And we must. Because this story of Christmas truly is part of the greatest story ever told. And you and I ought to give it its due. Now with that being said, may we take these next few minutes and quieten our hearts and our minds and our souls and think deeply about what actually took place on that first Christmas day. On that day when God's plan took its first step towards fulfilling what I just read to you from Isaiah, especially there in chapter 7 and also in chapter 9, where He said, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold a virgin. So very important. So very important. Behold a virgin will be with child and will bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. What do those words mean to you? And then from Isaiah 9, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Do you realize that God has a government that's established among us? He governs us. That is His sovereignty. And we're thankful for that. Because the government that's on the shoulders of men in our nation and in the nations across our world, they do not work 
But here, this government does. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Those are precious words. But as God's plans always are, these things really did not start on Christmas Day. They did not start on Christmas Day. And they didn't even start those many years before when Isaiah gave this prophecy. God's plan really did begin long even before the first foundation blocks of the earth were laid. He planned all that we are going to read about here. Most churches do not preach that. But all you have to do is read that in the book of Ephesians and several other places in Scripture. God's plan started all the way back before the foundations of the world. Back in a time before time. Before there was a time. Before the earth and the stars were created. There was a time when the only thing that existed was God Himself. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it was within those councils of the Holy Trinity that this mysterious decision was made. A decision for them, the Trinity, to bring forth a people. A people that would be in some ways like them, made in their image, but not quite like them. And that plan was to be that out of that people would come a special chosen race. A holy priesthood of people who would become a holy bride for God's beloved Son, the Lord Jesus. And it was with that decision and with that plan and with great love that God then formed man out of the dust of the ground. And I love the words there in Genesis where it tells of how, or it gives you the vision of how the Lord Jesus took Adam's face in His hands and breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. Such a loving creation. And then from that first man, Adam, men and women began to fill the earth. But sadly, as we now know, all somewhere along the way, those men and women began to follow the patterns of their earthly father, Adam. And they began to exercise free will, making wrong and sinful choices. And that's where we are today. That's where we are today. Now folks, I want us to understand and I want to remind us that God was not at all surprised by man's choices. He is not surprised at the wrong choices that you make every day. He was not surprised when Adam and Eve made their choices because He had, in His creating of man, He had foreordained that His creation would have this freedom to make free will choices. He gave that ability to you and me to make free will choices. But also, and thankfully so, it was within that foreordaining that God also made this provision that we're reading about here in Isaiah chapter 9. The story of the prophecy of this Christmas story. And then also, even further, God knew that the prophecy given by Isaiah in Isaiah 53 would also need to take place. That's the part of the Christmas story that takes place long after Christmas. It's the part of this Christmas story about the suffering and the crucifixion 
of God's beloved Son, the Lord of glory, He's called in 1 Corinthians. And so, because we know the beginning, which we'll read about today, of this Christmas story, we also know the end, where He had to die on the cross, suffer and die on the cross for us. So for us then, today, as we celebrate this part of the Christmas story, this birth of the blessed little baby Jesus, you and I then can know the whole story and why it's so necessary to know the beginning and the end of the story. May I say that another way? There is no end to this story, but we can know all parts of this story. And may we, by reading some of these blessed words, know it. It began actually nine months before Jesus' birth because it was then that God first revealed to Mary, this young virgin, that she had been chosen to bear the Son of God. What an honor. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine, you ladies, can you imagine what Mary must have experienced? Turn with me to Luke chapter 1, if you will. And we're going to read this Christmas story. And I want you to think about it as we read it. This is Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Now may I stop there for a moment? There is one truth about this gospel that you must accept. You're either going to believe it or not believe it. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you, this is strange wording that we're reading here. Here's an angel, Gabriel. Do you believe in angels? You say, yes, no, maybe. What it does is it comes down to, do you believe this? That was a question that Jesus asked Martha, the sister of Mary, when He was talking about how we will never die. He asked her, do you believe that? Here, do you believe that an angel Gabriel, and let me give you the second part of this mystery, that He came to a virgin. How important is that? Brother Chuck mentioned it earlier. How important is it that he came to a virgin? In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph in the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. How important is it? More important than we can ever imagine. It's because she was a virgin that Jesus had no sin nature as He was born into this earth. Verse 28, And He came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. That's the reason she was a virgin. He will be called 
the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Folks, have you now been able to see how these words are a fulfillment of the words that I just got through reading from the book of Isaiah, written 700 years earlier. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Verse 34 of Luke chapter 1. Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Do you see why she needed to be a virgin? Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And then just as Gabriel had said to Mary, in the fullness of time, Mary then gave birth to this precious child, the Lord of glory, Emmanuel. And as was mentioned earlier, this birth didn't take place in a majestic, grandeur manner. Instead, it took place in a stable with lowly animals all around. Follow with me also over into chapter 2 of Luke, beginning in verse 1. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. His was the first census taken while Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, She wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. 
But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. For us, for you and me, in our limited ability to understand, this is where this story began. This is what we'll celebrate beginning tonight and tomorrow with this seemingly helpless little baby cuddled in his mother's arms, being sheltered in a stable. And I would suggest that the baby probably looked very much like other babies. And he really was. He really was in many ways. He nursed and he slept. He probably cried when he was hungry. And he would later then grow and look very much like an ordinary man. But folks, listen. Listen. We must understand that from the beginning, Jesus was never ordinary. Never an ordinary child. Never an ordinary man. He would not grow into being any form of an ordinary man. Above all else, though, He was the son of Joseph and Mary. He was first and foremost the Son of God. The Son of God. It was the Holy Spirit who formed His DNA within Mary's womb. Are you familiar with the words of Psalm 139 where we're told that God actually wove your DNA together in your mother's womb? That's what He did here. But He wove His own DNA into Mary's womb. Joseph did not have anything to do with that conception of the Lord Jesus. It was God and God alone. And that's why again, we read here in Luke chapter 1, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? I've never been with a man. The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. This baby truly was the Son of God. He had come down from His throne in heaven to live in this world for one blessed purpose. To save His people from their sins. To save His people from their sins. To save us from all those wrong choices that our free will seems to entice us to make. And now while all the fuss and activity of the Christmas season gets so focused on giving and receiving gifts and on family spending family time together. And much of that is good. Much of that is really good. But listen, the better thing, the better thing is that you and I must take the time, pull aside from all those complicated involvements. What am I going to buy this one for a gift And what am I going to buy for that one? What am I going to do as I meet family members that only come by once a year and we don't get along very well? All those complicated involvements. What the Lord wants you and me to do is to pull aside from all of that. Yes, we're involved in it, but somehow we have to pull aside from all of that. And we have to look at this truly incomprehensible gift that God has given to us. And I would suggest, no, I would plead with us that we would somehow 
do as Mary did and intently look into the face of this beloved child, this Son of the living God, the Lord of glory. And I do love the words, those contemplative words that we sang there a moment ago, Mary, did you know? Can you imagine? Can you imagine holding the baby Jesus and looking into His face, knowing what you know right now? Mary knew, but she didn't know what we know. She only had an idea of what was taking place. But can you imagine, even knowing what we know, holding the baby Jesus and looking into His face? Do you think that you would be able to comprehend what you were looking at? That you were looking into the face of God? I can't. I I don't know that I would be able to comprehend that I was looking at the very face of God, the same God who had earlier decided to speak this whole existence into being the earth, the stars. But also, that I would see into this space this man who would later on heal the sick, calm a storm, raise someone from the dead. And then, 33 years later, would be so disfigured by the worst kind of suffering. The same face that would bleed and die so that you and I could be saved from our sins. Saved from the eternal punishment that we rightfully deserve. Folks, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And He truly is wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And for you and me, at the very core of all that we believe, we must know that He is our Savior and Lord. He is our Savior and Lord. And that if we will only receive Him, He will surely abide within us. He will be Emmanuel, God with us every moment of every day, guiding and directing all of the things that take place in our lives, all of the days of our lives, and on into eternity. So may I encourage us, may I plead with us to pull away from the busyness of this usual Christmas celebration and take some time to gaze into the face of the beauty of holiness in the Lord Jesus. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child, will bear a son. She will call His name Emmanuel. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon His shoulder. And His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Let's pray.